0: Freud's is around and welcome to the Freudcast for International Women's Day. The motto in 2022 for the day is Break the Bias, and in this episode we'll be hearing from three women who've worked hard to do just that. Fiona Dawson advises famous names like Lego and Marks and Spencers after retiring from Mars last year, having risen to the position of global president during 33 years with the company. Katie Venick-Smith is co-founder of groundbreaking slow news brand Tortoise Media and former president of Dow Jones. First, though, we hear from Dame Moya Green, who made her name in Mail, running Canada Post before taking up the equivalent CEO role at the Royal Mail. To start off, I mean, it'd be really interesting to hear who are your role models?
1: Well, you know, there are lots of them, because when you think of a role model, you think of people that uh, have really helped shape your life and all of the opportunities that came my way. And in my case, I was very lucky with my parents. My mother was a professional uh, woman. She uh, taught children with uh, learning disabilities. And my father was a small you know, independent entrepreneur. He could fix anything. And um, even if he didn't immediately know how to fix it, he could figure out where to get the plans for it. And from that, he would figure out how to fix anything. And um, so they they were early role models because uh, they worked hard and they didn't put any limitations in front of themselves. And they didn't uh, think that there should be any limitations put in front of us as children. And from that, you know, you're able to uh, gather your confidence and take opportunities as they come your way. But, you know, in a life as long as mine, there've been lots of people who have uh, given me opportunity. Um, You know, Dr. Uh, You Labelle in Canada, who was, uh, you know, part of the most senior echelon of the Canadian public service. Uh, She certainly believed in me and and made way for me to have uh, very senior testing assignments and was there when things didn't go uh, according to to plan, and um, you know she went on and and had a, an international career as the head of Transparency International. So you know she was a, a very important role model, uh, someone who was always interested in uh, big uh, geopolitical matters and trying to make the world a less corrupt and better place. But you know today. I suppose, and if we're thinking about International Women's uh, Day, uh, all of us are inspired by uh, the mothers and the grandmothers in the Ukraine, who are doing everything to get their families to a safer place, and who are sacrificing everything to get their families to a safer place.
0: Definitely, I totally agree, and um, and that's very beautifully put, actually. Thank you for that. Moving on to sort of challenges. Um, what are the challenges that you feel you have overcome as a woman in your line of work? You know, Laura, I've
1: always worked in uh, areas which were, you know, predominantly male-oriented sectors. So the transportation sector today, um, unfortunately, even in the year, you know, 2022 is still, all of logistics tends to be um, uh, male-dominated, male-oriented. Um and even in the Federal Public Service, which is where I started out in Canada, in the early days, you know, in the 1970s, 1980s, um, it, in the upper echelons of the federal public service, it certainly most of the managerial jobs uh went to men. But you know, we stand on the shoulders of of uh, really Amazons <laughs> like uh Dr. Huguette Labelle, because you know, she and and also uh, very senior men in the uh, federal civil service people like Arthur Kruger, you know they they made way for intelligent and uh, ambitious and uh, dedicated women to have more opportunity than was say possible in my mother's generation what challenges well they're the same challenges actually that young women face today you're trying to build a career whilst raising a family, um, whilst, you know, dealing every day with the everyday sexism that is still part of our lives, you know, trying not to take too seriously what shouldn't be taken seriously, but trying to um, make sure that uh, people check uh, their words and behavior, uh, you know, without seeming that you've lost your funny bone. So, you know, these are 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 everyday things that and challenges that women have to overcome. And I think we're able to overcome them by virtue of, of two important things. Uh, the first is the confidence that we get in our early years. They're so important how young girls are trained and educated and you know, how they're given testing assignments, because each one of those assignments just helps us build in our confidence. And confidence is just such an important thing to to try to keep and maintain. And then the second way that you overcome uh, those challenges is, you know, I'm sure all of us, you too, all of you young women out there, we have to have posses around us, you know, posses that are our supporters. You know, they're the ones that tell us when we need to get over yourself, or for goodness sake. Or they, they tell us, no, no, don't put up with that. Uh, you know, your, your instinct on that is right. You, you need to say something about that. Or when you trip and stumble, as you invariably will in any career, it's not always going to go the way you would have liked it to go. They dust you off, and they pick you up, and they just, you know, give you a hug and send you on your way. So that's how you get over challenges, confidence and a posse.
0: That's brilliant. Totally relate to that. Um, That's really, really, really good advice. Looking back on the journey um, that you've taken to the point you are now, what are the main lessons you have learned?
1: You know, I'm very free now. At 68, I don't have to take any guff from anybody. I don't have anything left to prove. I've done way more than I thought would have been possible when you're 35 and 40 and you're still building a career and you're a big contributor to your family's upbringing, you know, you're not as free. Uh, you 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 cannot afford to, you know, cheese too many people off or, you know, it will just make your path uh, a lot more stony than it needs to be. So, lessons, really uh, make sure that Any fight you take on in your 30s and 40s is one worth taking. You know, that you've got around you the right struts and reinforcements that you're going to win it. Don't back down from something that you shouldn't back down from. If you're not being paid properly and if you know you're not being paid properly, for goodness sake, don't back down on that because that will follow you all through your whole career, because your next job, the first question they ask you is, well, what were you paid in your last job? And so if you're underpaid in your last job, you know, chances are you're going to be underpaid. And then, of course, your retirement income, you'll never catch up. So, you know, things like that, fights like that you've got to take, but you've got to have the right people around you. And so lesson number one at each stage in your career is really try to figure out Uh, What's a fight worth taking? And if you're going to take it, you're in it to win it. And lesson number two is um, the older you get, the more fights you win. (laughs) Because you're able to uh, unleash bigger weaponry. Uh, Because it just, uh, you know, you don't have as much to lose as you have to lose when you're in your 30s and 40s. So I would say the lessons that you learn are different uh, depending on which stage in your life you are but um, pick your fights if it's the right fight don't back down but make sure before you launch it that you have marshaled all the forces
0: to win it that's very good advice and um, thank you so much One of the other questions we had was about pressures and and how to cope with that. So I wondered, you know, how do you cope or did you cope with pressure and turn it to your advantage?
1: I think, you know, the number one challenge uh, that young women have when they're building their careers is just the day-to-day juggling and trying to keep their relationships intact, not just with their children, but, you know, with their lovers, with their partners, with their mothers, with their, you know, elderly grandparents, just trying to keep your social relationships with your friends, trying to keep your relationship with that posse intact, because that posse is hugely important uh, as you go through your life. Um, So, I think that's the biggest challenge of them all, uh, when you're, say, in your 20s, 30s, early 40s, is The day-to-day juggling that goes on and I have to say you know my generation of bosses and I was a boss for a long time we could have been more flexible than we were Uh, we've got technologies now that have been perfected and we've now learned how to use them we've probably gained five years on the use of uh, technology to help that flexibility uh, through the pandemic it's probably the only good thing that came out of that pandemic Um, but now we have uh, to have an attitude shift and, uh, but even with the attitude shift, you know, there's going to be lots of professions and jobs out there where you just got to be there. If you're driving a bus in central London, or if you're, you know, in the operating theaters of the hospitals in central London, uh, you know, you're not going to be able to, uh, take advantage of the flexibility that many other professions will offer. So I think the biggest challenge to, is the same challenge, really, is the day-to-day juggling. And um, the name of the the game is keep all those relationships intact. Uh, and the relationships at the end of the day are more important than any job.
0: Brilliant. What do you know now that you wish you'd known before?
1: I was very ambitious and... Um, I really did try to put myself in an opera in in a way with training, with experience, with testing assignments. I I really tried to put myself in a position so that any opportunity that came my way, I would be credible at least as a candidate for that opportunity. Um, And I didn't know when I started out that. It's not such a great thing for a woman, especially, to be visibly ambitious, because we treat female ambition in a different way than we do men's ambition, and um, women, I didn't really know that um, women being visibly ambitious was not seen necessarily as a favorable trait, Um, and I only learned that when I was getting toward the end of my career, and I wished I would have known that because I probably would have been a little more guarded in the way in which I presented myself uh, in my early days. Um, I I probably would have done better uh, and, you know, would have had an easier road if I had not been so openly ambitious. On the other hand, I really think that we have to do a lot better so that female ambition is not treated negatively. It's actually treated in a positive way. Why? Because it's only, uh, what is it really? It, It is only a desire to do as well as you can and to be as uh, effective as you can. Um, That's all it is, ambition. And so it was only in my 50s um, when I started reading things that very important researchers had done about female ambition. And it's very sad that even today, little girls are treated in a different way than boys are. Uh, And... This follows them and it reinforces this view that somehow the girls have to be nicer and it makes them hide uh, their leadership potential and it prevents them from um, really taking on all of the opportunity that is out there for them. So I'm in this place where I'm a bit ambivalent On the one side, I didn't really know about that until it was too late for me to have changed my behavior because I was always very visibly ambitious. On the other side, I really think it's um, wrong that we are giving so many and reinforcing so many signals to girls to make them want to hide their ambition. Because I'm a a big believer that we will not change so many of these old embedded ideas that still hold back even very developed societies. We won't change that until we see the genders, both of them, everywhere feeling they can do
0: anything. I mean, this is all really, really really interesting and powerful thank you so much And um, the final question uh is what message and what you know what would you like to say to young women starting out now in their career what is the one message you'd like to convey to sort of summarize um all the brilliant messages you've already given so far
1: go for it whatever it is whatever you want you you're going to need luck but a lot of drive and a lot of ambition. It's sort of like Gary Player, you know, that, that golf genius. He said, you know, the way it is, the more I practiced, the luckier I got. And um, so I would say to women, my message is just go for it.
0: Thanks to Moyer for talking to us. Next, former Mars Global President Fiona Dawson begins by telling us about her journey and the women who inspired her along the way
2: you know looking back on my career now um, you know I, I left university in 88 um, and I guess I had multiple role models to be honest with you you know I, I was deeply and profoundly inspired by um, an Irish uh, president if you like and um, who was called Mary Robinson. She's a humanitarian lawyer. Um, She was the first female we had had in the role, Um, but it was less the fact she was the first female, although that was incredibly inspiring. It was also the fact that she led with compassion, empathy, but a surety of her own value set. You know, I'd been used to politicians who were very much in the club of a type and she showed me that there was a different way you could lead which was really powerful but but then throughout i think you you learn that you get inspired not just by people you look up to but by people you work with by people you encounter obvious ones being people in your family network Um, And if role model means learning, I'm learning constantly from people in my life. The majority, I would say, are a lot of women and how they how they are facing into challenging um, issues, um, balancing what's important in their life. So they're multifaceted role models, actually. And I think too much we look at the unattainable role model and we've should realize they're just right under our noses and we can learn so much from the brilliant people in our existing lives. Thank you that's incredibly
3: inspiring Um, particularly as a young girl starting out in my career Um, but I wonder throughout your career in various different ways and throughout your various different positions um, what challenges you've perhaps had to overcome as a woman in your line of work?
2: Well, before I, last year, I retired from Mars after 33 years. Um, my last role was a, as global president. Um, so there, there were the obvious business challenges to overcome, running businesses, the P&L, delivering the results, um, you know, on a consistent basis, literally a periodic basis. Every four weeks, so I was on that Um, rhythm of making sure the business was in good shape, but also ensuring the right talent was in place, developing the talent, resource allocation. So, you know, functionally, there was an awful lot to make sure that you were on top of. And the danger of being in a business for quite so long is that you feel you can know it all. And you've got to be really open from input from your team, from people within your organization and have a real curiosity for what's happening. I guess on a personal basis, probably the biggest challenge I had to overcome was the belief I needed to be better than everybody else. And I don't mean that in a winning sense. I don't mean that in a ego sense. I mean, my, you know, my mum would always say to me, be be a little bit earlier, work a little bit harder, you know. Um, and and so I thought I always had to be right and Not quite perfect, but I was really scared of making mistakes. And I learned through my career that actually, first of all, you should invite people in. You don't need to fix everything or do everything. People like being asked. They like being part of the solution. Um, And also... If you do happen to have something that doesn't go quite exactly as you want, either strategically or operationally, being honest enough and vulnerable enough to course correct, to invite people in to help you, it's probably the best learning experience. But but certainly that took me quite some time to learn. And I don't know whether I've ever really, you know, I will tell you now, oh, I've learned it and I've shaken it off. And But having started on a new career, you know, joining boards and being a, a, an NED, you still want to make sure your contribution is a good contribution and not, you know, they're not all rolling their eyes and going, oh, I've thought of that, et cetera. So you always have that niggle in the back of your head, but you've got to try and push it to the back and realize actually Making mistakes is part of life. You've got to learn from it. You've got to invite people in and try not to personalise it too much, but yet take accountability.
3: And so you talk about, obviously, your new career that you've gone into now and that you're still learning and you feel like there's still challenges you embark upon. What are perhaps the main lessons you've learned um, in the last two years, for instance?
2: I always believed that leaving Mars would be difficult after such a long time and really loving what I did. So in one aspect, it was a crazy decision. Um, you know, I didn't need to leave. Um, you know, probably some of your listeners will think I'm ancient, but at 55, I kind of think I'm still young and a lot to offer. But I wanted a new chapter. I wanted to be able to develop and learn. And I wanted to try different environments with different challenges um so i spent a lot of time i do a lot of what's called imagineering but thinking of the future what will it be what will it look like what gives me energy um where you know what what kind of companies have the same values that would fit with my values so i did an awful lot of imagining that stage i i, I think what i didn't appreciate was the massive gap in my life that was about to happen, not just in leaving Mars, and that, as I mentioned, every four weeks, having to deliver the results and be in meetings and busy, 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 but also at the same time, my youngest kid left home to go to uni. Um, And suddenly there was all this other change in my life. We were all in Omnicom and all the change and uncertainty that was going on. So I think I was a little bit off axis for a while. And I think you need to just uh, listen to yourself. And if you're feeling sort of, well, what's going on here? you know, that's when your network and female network often comes to play. And those can be old friends who've known you terribly well. They can be new colleagues that you've met and embraced, but really talking it through with them and feeling comfortable in your space is, is very important. So so the new chapter is exactly as I wanted it and imagined it to be. I just hadn't appreciated um, how should feel not being busy all the time? I thought it'd be terrific, <laughs> but I realise now that I have just been programmed in that way for over thirty years. I can't remember who it was, but someone
3: someone once said that they, after they retired, the thing that they missed the most was being in the room where it happened. Um, which I think is brilliant. That's sort of yes,
2: adjusting. I totally agree. Totally
4: um, agree. But
3: talking about times that have perhaps been uh, more intense and pressurizing, balancing home life with work, and particularly as a woman, um, I wonder how you cope with pressure and turn it to your advantage.
2: Um, In terms of how I cope with pressure, um, there there are quite a few things. First of all, you know, I've learned over the years not to be scared of daunting tasks of things that people tell you can't be done because invariably there is a solution it may not be the solution you think it's going to be but you know there is invariably a solution through it this is comes back to my point about making sure you surround yourself with diverse opinions and draw them in you know have a team whose values you you share who you trust implicitly or are working towards the same goal, but then have different views. And that's brilliant. Um, I think work is such a huge part of all of our lives. It's got to be fun. And even in times of pressure and things may be not going quite right, I you, you know, you'll always make time just to in, make sure you're enjoying yourself. And people have smiles on their faces. Um, you know, it's not that you don't take the results very seriously, but but life is short. Um, and then simple things, Alice, to be honest with you, like going to the gym, walking, creating space in your head. I think if you just stay active the whole time and work, 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 work to try and fix things, and in this always-on culture that we have, the danger is there is no delineation between... Home life and work life. And you've always at the touch of that. You know, I think we all get to during lockdown, you know, hate the teams ring because it suddenly meant you were on again. But you've got to switch off. You've got to collect your thoughts. The stronger you are mentally and physically, the better you can deal with pressure. We all know that when things get too much, the smallest things can really weigh you down. And then that's when, again, you've got to listen to yourself and go, I need some time out for myself. To be able to manage it, and, and you know, I think as women we've got great capacity. I got really frustrated in a recent article in the Times when you know I was asked, you know, can women have it all? And I thought, well, you'd never ask a man that, would you? You wouldn't say to a CEO of a business, oh, how did you get here and balance your family life and all of your commitments, and how did you, how did you, how do you juggle? Um, and so I think that you do make trade-offs and priorities as long as they are right for you. And not everyone is in that lucky position, but as long as they are right for you in that moment, then then generally that will serve you really well.
3: Yeah, thank you for that. That's an incredibly inspiring answer. I know that we interviewed Moira Green this morning from uh, the Royal Mayor, and she was saying that her... Um, bone to pick with the media is that they often challenge ambitious women and they see ambition in in women as a negative trait um, but as a positive one in men and I, I thought that was really interesting as well the sort of yes. different perceptions in qualities in people but I, I wonder um, in this current climate at the moment there are any young women that you look to who particularly inspire you
2: Oh, I mean, so, so, so many. I think a lot of young women have a, a fierceness, a passion, um, whether it's looking at climate change, whether it's looking at social injustice, um, whether it is looking at pointing out truth to authority. And I'm humbled by that, actually. I, I don't and I doubt if I could have that sense of conviction when I was younger. And I think to myself, well, if these young women can do that in whatever capacity they do, and we can all think of the headline names, but there are people on a daily basis. I, I sit on the board of the Social Mobility Foundation and I meet women day in, day out, and in fairness, men who are driven to do the right thing. I went to Liberia on a trip a couple of years ago, and there were women who worked in a um, HIV clinic who were unsung heroes of what they wanted to do, which is around helping those who would not be helped anywhere else. And that just fuels you with a desire to do your tiny bit to be honest and true and make the world a tiny bit better if you can. Yeah, absolutely. Um,
3: but as a, as a final thought, I wonder whether there's anything you want to say, a particular message, um, to leave with
2: for young women starting out in their careers today. I think if I could give one message to women, um, And thankfully, a lot of the women I meet are true to this. But be very true to yourself. Be very true to your values. Um, Be very true to your priorities and what matters to you. And don't be worried, because over the years, your priorities may well change. That's okay. And there will be room for those new priorities because you will make sure there's room for those priorities and what's important to you. But if at any stage along your career you feel your values are being in any way compromised, I would really consider whether you're in the right role. But if you can do something that matches your values, you're good at it, um, you will generally succeed in life.
0: Thanks a lot to Fiona. Finally, on this special Freudcast for International Women's Day, co-founder of Tortoise, Katie Venick-Smith, and some of the jaw-dropping challenges she has faced during her career.
4: Um, to start off, you know, we'd love to hear from you. Who are your role models? It's a great question, but I always give the same answer and they don't change. And um, I, I, I put them in order. So my number one role model is my mum. Uh, My number two is Maggie, Maggie Thatcher, for those people who don't know where the extra element would come from. So Maggie, first name terms, obviously. Um, And number three is the queen. And it is, um, I'll tell you why they're my role models. Um, It's, I think growing up, I grew up in a house where I was um, single parent, single parent, my mom. um, But I've never really thought about early on in my life, the challenges of being a woman or things that I couldn't do. Because if you imagine being a child of the 70s and 80s, um, you know, in a single parent, your mum's running that household end to end, Maggie's the Prime Minister, and the Queen is the Queen. And so if I look back at my life, those are my role models, you know, there were three strong women, all doing different things uh, in different ways. And in many ways, like the kind of foundation of the of belief that as a woman, I could do anything. Well, as a girl, I could do anything and hopefully as a woman um, continuing. But yeah, those are my role models. Um, that, is, that is a really clear, clear answer. And so I guess to just build on
0: that. What do role models and I suppose also mentors
4: mean to you? What have they brought to you, your life and career? A belief, really. I mean, I think there's that real truism. I think lots of people say about role models, which is if you can't see something, it's much harder to believe yourself being able to do that. And and so the re- the, the reality of sort of the person that ran our household, kept our families together was a woman. The person running a country was a woman. Um, and the person running, running the country was a woman, you know, and... Um, you can do anything right you can you can be anyone do anything if you if you look around you and you see in all positions of power um women and so for me those role models represent a, a sort of early understanding of, of power in many ways and i think that's why role models matter so much because so much of the challenges that we face particularly as women is is the power gap and and it is about sort of being able to see yourself in positions of power or in positions of responsibility and so for me role models are really about giving people the belief that that they could see themselves and project themselves into those those roles um you know if, if you can see yourself you can be that thing right so i'd say that and then mentors is funny i mean i i love i i i have been mentored by many people both men and women in my career and um and you know at different points for different things and that's the wonderful thing about mentors or mentoring it's just about asking for advice no one ever really says no if you ask if you ask for help i mean it's a very it's a very funny thing you you sort of we dress it up and call it a mentor but actually all you're doing is asking people for advice and help and experience and in my experience no one ever says no i mean it's very rare that you'll get a no to that question I think more importantly, sponsors are the thing that make a difference though, between seeing things, role models, and then being able to be those things when you're a woman and you're dealing with different things. So I would say role models so I can believe in it, sponsors so that I can be it.
0: I I agree actually from personal experience. And it's also, I mean, I'm fairly at the start of my career, but also people who ask me, it is is asking for advice and um, it's good advice to ask for advice. What challenges have you overcome as
4: a woman in your line of work? So for for, for people who don't know what my line of work is, I, I've worked in um, the media and journalism industry for uh, coming up for, oh, gosh, 25, 27 years. Probably should be rounding it up to 30 now. But anyway, sort of heading towards 30 years. And uh, I'm not a journalist. I'm in the commercial side of the business. But... Um, news as an industry has changed a lot in the time I've been in it. So very early on in my career, there just weren't a lot of women around in positions of power. You know, there were very few female editors. There were very few um, um, sort of female um, role models in the editorial side of the business. And I was in the commercial side. And actually, one of the things that was really helpful was there were actually a lot of female leaders in the commercial side of news when I started so the MD, the person that ran advertising, you know, they were all women, and I say that because the challenges in my life as a woman, are sort of, were more about the industry I was in rather than not having women in positions of you know responsibility and power. In that, the editorial side of the business, um, and the culture of news was that the editors were always omnipotent; they were like the gods, and there weren't any goddesses. It was just gods, um, or there might have been a goddess, but she probably she probably edited the magazine because that's what us women did. You know, we edited the magazine, and actually, that's changed dramatically in the time I've been in the industry. If you look around now, many of the editors of national newspapers are women. Um, many, many of the you know very serious roles on on in news organisations, from head of news to sort of foreign editors, are now women. So that that dynamic has changed a lot um but it was there and quite early on particularly as i was young and successful quite early on in my side of the business i was the digital director in the days um really early days of the internet in 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 publishing so we're talking ninety nine 2000 and um i was tasked with um m- merging the Times and Sunday Times website into one site called Times Online. And that is culturally quite difficult because you had an editor on both of those publications and they were super competitive with each other. Um, But I was a 20-something, I was sort of like late 20s, mid-late 20s, and I was responsible for merging these two standalone websites into one which meant that there were some redundancies that needed to be you know sort of stuck through which is always a very difficult thing to do in anyone's career and the um I had to run the whole process it was very stressful I was learning a lot at the same time it's the first time I'd done all of these things and I remember um a senior leader who will remain nameless in the uh, editorial team of one of the titles in front of everybody that was impacted by these changes said Listen to me, little girl. Oh my god! It was it was truly shocking. It was truly shocking that actually, you know, my gender, my age, in front of people. I wanted to ball my eyes out then and there, but I held it together, and I got out of the room. Obviously went and had a massive sob in the loo, but held it together in the room, and um, managed to say, "I think that you've been very inappropriate." And I'm leaving this meeting now, and this meeting's over, and I always remember it did come back to bite that individual on the ass because uh later on, I ended up being his boss. That was fun for him. There you go, gosh, what goes around comes around it does and i and I think that's a massive truism, but yeah, it was a bit so it was quite culturally difficult and it has changed dramatically so so the lovely thing now when I look around is. We've still got a long way to go in other forms of inclusion and diversity in the industry, right, in media and journalism. But the gender balance now feels like it's moved to a place where you can see yourself if you're an ambitious young woman in that industry in many roles. And
0: um, what are the main lessons you've, you've learnt on the journey to
4: where you are today? For me, the main lessons are trust your instincts, particularly as a woman. And, and I take that from a sort of work experience, but also life experience. And, and this is just personal because I, I think my instincts have always stood me in very good stead. So whether it's people, whether it's business opportunities, whether it's challenges, whether it's childbirth and knowing that it's you don't feel right and the doctor telling you that, yeah, it's all fine. And me saying, no, 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 it's not. It's my body. I know. Your instincts, or in my case, you know, maybe this isn't all true for everyone, but my instincts are things that have always been right. And sometimes I think when you start your career and early on, there's lots of people with more experience or more bluster or more this or more professional knowledge. And um, yeah, I trust your instincts every time.
0: Totally. Well, that's, that's, uh, that's really good advice. or a really interesting insight as well uh, to, to your, to, uh... As you say, it's a personal answer to, to to the question. I mean, some of the examples you've given sort of show that you know you've you know you've very successful in your career, and quite early on, you clearly um, encountered quite a lot of pressures. Um, and I just wondered, like, how do you cope with pressure, and how have you um, managed
4: to turn it into an advantage? Well, I hope I have managed to turn it into advantage, but um, it's interesting, isn't it? The the business challenge or the intellectual challenge or the delivery deadline doesn't really fill me with dread. It That's not the thing that brings the pressure to my life. The thing that brings the pressure to my life is normally personal relationships or individuals or people or the more emotional side of some of those things. So overall, I think I'm quite good under pressure. The sort of delivery side of it, the sort of unknown, the the challenge it it, it doesn't it doesn't really get to me, right? I don't I don't have sleepless nights about the fundraise I've just completed for Tortoise, or how am I going to get you know this done? And I don't I don't lose sleep over those things. And it, and it is also it is just generally that I believe that I always ask myself the question: What's the worst thing that's going to happen? Right? I mean, like if this doesn't work how bad is it going to be? And once you've war that out and you realize it's actually not going to be that bad. I mean, it really isn't going to be that bad. It's so you can sort of like, I find I'm much more relaxed about sort of the journey rather than the sort of worrying about all the elements in it. But moments where I felt real pressure and it's got to me are much more relationship driven, you know, much more where individuals have brought emotion into something or you've got a conflict and it's, you're finding that hard and, and difficult to resolve and and sort of over the years, you know, you learn different ways of, of, of coping with that and managing it. One of the things um, that that was shared with me by another wonderful um, female leader, lady called Stevie Spring, um, she once told me that it's impossible to cry and whistle at the same time. And um, one of my reactions, if I'm really under pressure, and it's a personal thing is, you know, this tears, you know, like, it's a frustration thing. I'm not like, little girl but if i get frustrated i used to often feel myself wanting to kind of cry as the kind of reaction and so i learned to whistle so that and actually you can't actually cry and whistle so therefore it is quite a good bit odd if you start whistling in a meeting where you're feeling a bit of high pressure but it it, it does work work. and and the other thing is the um knowing that that's my weak spot and what causes me the pressure know if I'm going to go into a difficult situation with an individual where I know that I'm going to get that pressure feeling. I used to call them dementors, like in the Harry Potter books, and I used to make sure that if I knew I was going to have a meeting, which would be of that nature, I would immediately put a joy meeting in afterwards. I would actually put it, I would actually plan it. I'd know I'd go and see a Dementor. I knew that that would be a high pressure environment and then I'd make sure I'd go around and see one of the people I love the most and have a bit of fun and re-energize myself. So it was that sort of give yourself a treat after you've done the difficult thing. And so I think everyone's pressure points are different. Everyone will respond differently. I think part of the journey is learning what causes you to kind of succumb to the pressure. Once you know what that is, You'll create your own coping mechanisms. Mine was to hang out with Susie Watford, who's like my favourite individual ever, and go around and have a big cuddle. If I'd had a really bad meeting, just go and say i go to her desk and say, "Fancy a cuddle? Do you want to give me a cuddle?" And she'd give me a big cuddle. Just as a, a final question is,
0: you know, if you had one message you, want, you you wanted to convey, you know, what what would you like to say to young
4: women starting out uh, in their careers uh, today? Know that actually because of a lot of the progress that's been made around equality and you know, equal opportunities that actually the thing that might trip us up is choice. And I think that for many young women I know and myself, not so young now, but you know, when I started out my career, you know, when it came to having a family, you know, I was absolutely like, well, I'm going back to work. I'm 100% going back to work. You know, of course I am, you know, da, da, da. And actually, it's okay to look at that as a choice. And the thing that we fought for is not the fight to always be the person that's standing up and there at the end and, and I must now see it through to being a CEO or I must now do this because that's sort of what I feel I must do as a woman who has this access to equality. And by the way, lots of us should still be fighting to do that because... You know, until it's 50-50, we've got a long way to go. But I do think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves as young women today. And I think that some of that's health, some of that's healthy, but actually choice is absolutely what we fought for, not actually the winning. And the fact that we have those choices, remember that they are choices. And so you don't have to be the slave to the career. You don't have to be the slave to the corporate. You know, actually, the the great thing is we have choices. And so I just think use them wisely.
0: Thanks to Katie and all of our guests for this episode of The Freudcast. Thanks to you for listening too. And you can find more than 30 episodes where you normally get your podcasts. And of course, keep up to date with Freud's on Instagram and LinkedIn. Bye for now.